Hi, I'm Walter Lane, and you've tuned in to a sermon podcast from the Netherwood Park Church of Christ in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Thanks for listening. chance uh, to talk with you all today. If you're like me, then you really enjoy uh, reading articles and watching videos and reading books that are designed to help you grow both personally and professionally. And books and videos that fall into this uh, category can loosely be defined as uh, self-help type media, uh, the self-help industry. And that industry in the past decades has grown a lot. At one point, it really wasn't even a thing, and then it came on the scene, and people started like this idea, and there's different gurus and experts and psychologists and whatnot that uh, supposedly can give us life hacks or secrets, um, different tools and skills to grow ourselves, become more productive, uh, to spend our money better, to be more disciplined, uh, to be more beautiful, any number of things where we can improve ourselves. So as I started to think through this idea of self-help and whatnot, I thought it might be a good idea to go on Amazon and just get a sense of what kind of books are out there. So I went to Amazon, and I typed in the term self-help to see what would pop up. And to start things off here, I want to share some of the titles that popped up, because I think it illuminates a little bit of what's going on in our search for self-help. Here's the first one. It's called Best Self, Be You, Only Better. Interesting. You know, I'd like to pick up that book. I'd like to be me, just a better version, I guess. The next one's really good. It's called The Most Powerful Goal Achievement System in the World. And in case you're wondering, that title right there is trademarked. It says so on the website. The subtitle of that book is The Hidden Secret to Getting Everything You Want. So I actually just didn't prepare anything else. What we've done is we've ordered a copy of that book for every person here. You can start it tomorrow. You'll be well on your way to having literally everything you want. I'm just kidding. The next one, this uh, was the, probably the weirdest one on here. It's called Primal Intuition, subtitle, Natural Stack Your Life and Unlock Your Dream Body. So I've got to be honest, I don't know what natural stacking is, but I am planning to start it tomorrow, and I'll get back to you with how it goes. <clears throat> Here's the last one I'll share with you. It says, How to Be a 3% Man, Winning the Heart of the Woman of Your Dreams. A 3% man. Again, I'm not sure what that is, but I think we get the idea of what they're trying to, to go. I'm sure there's a lot of guys who like to pick that up and hopefully get some really good wisdom out of that book. So when you put these together, it kind of starts to sound ridiculous, doesn't it? You read these titles and it's clear we're searching for something. And my intent this morning is not entirely to, to make fun of these books, the people who read them. You know, maybe I'm doing that a little bit. 
Um, but to be honest, I have read some amazing uh, self-help books that have been really insightful, that have made a positive impact on me. Um, they can be helpful. But the larger point I want to make is that it's clear, just as people, we have a large appetite for wanting to improve ourselves. I think all of us have this sneaking suspicion in the back of our minds that we're just living life at a fraction of our potential, and we want to be able to grow and change and improve and do better at any number of things. And so we're looking for these answers. We want that change, and we're frustrated because it doesn't seem like we can ever really grasp it. We can never really get to where we want to be. And we do have that innate understanding that we need to change, want to figure out how. I think it's interesting, the Bible confirms that we need to change. We read that in the Bible, that that change is necessary. So Romans 12.2 is going to be kind of our main verse today. Romans 12.2 presents us with both a problem and a solution. So you can open up your Bibles there. The the majority of our sermon is going to be built around kind of digging into the first half of verse 2 there. Romans 12.2 says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So what's the problem that we see in this verse? The problem is that we have a habit of conforming to the pattern of this world. So let's talk about that a little. What does it mean to conform to the world? Why would that be a bad thing to do? When the Bible talks about the world, it's talking about what is separate from God. So the world is is not a good place to be in that sense. James 4.4 tells us a little bit about the world. It says, Don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. So clearly, conforming to the world is a bad thing. I don't think anyone here wants to be an enemy of God. The scripture reading that we just read a minute ago puts it another way. And you'll see the outline was messed up a little there, so forgive me. Uh, Romans 8, 5 through 7 says, Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires, But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. So the flesh and the world, when we read about those things in the Bible, there's a link there. Both of those things are kind of contrary to God's desires. Did you hear that? This is pretty serious. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. That's not a good thing. That's not a place that you want to be. And so when we talk about conforming to the pattern of this world, that's essentially the same thing as having a mind governed by the flesh. And this verse, both of these together start to show us that the mind plays a really important role in how we relate to God. The mind is a big factor. And I think that as we read these and understand the the role that the mind plays, we start to see why that self-help industry is so big, right? There's something... uh, kind of hardwired into us where we're looking for that change to get back to what we, where we think we should be. The constant battle going on in our minds as we are tempted on one hand to conform to the world, but at the same time we're trying to have our minds governed by the Spirit. We're trying to move closer to God in that direction. I think it's funny, you know, in our minds we make decisions that are presumably good. We try to be more disciplined, eat more healthy, exercise more, maybe be more generous or disciplined with our money. And then those exact same minds, after we've made that decision, go and do the exact opposite of what we had decided. You know, just as one example, how many New Year's resolutions do you think are still intact at this point? Probably not many, right? The statistics don't look good. 
So we understand on some level that our minds are confusing and they just don't always work the way that we would like, and that is really frustrating. I was trying to kind of figure out why do we have this constant battle, and I think there's a lot of factors. But one thing that that kind of hit me as I prepared is something that I think we're not totally aware of, and I, I hope that we can increase our awareness in this area. We have an enemy that is actively trying to mess up our minds. He's trying to confuse us. He's trying to tempt us to conform to the world. We know our enemy is Satan, and he is constantly feeding us a line of lies that he wants us to believe that are designed to cause us to conform to the world, that are designed to to pull our minds more towards the direction of being governed by the flesh. Listen to John 8.44. It says, He, referring to Satan, was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. It's crazy because I think one of Satan's best tricks is that we don't even really realize that he's there. We just go through life sort of ignorant that there is a force working against us, and it can cause big, big problems. He's trying to convince you that conformity with the world is the best route. And so I want to ask, think through it. Is there an area of your life right now where you think it's possible that you're falling for one of Satan's lies? Give that some thought. And what I find is often in situations things aren't going well, we start to feel frustrated, maybe there's tension in a relationship, and we're looking for someone to blame. And so we want to blame the other person. You know, if it's in our marriage, we want to blame our spouse. They're the problem. Or maybe we're blaming ourselves to say, oh, I'm just a screw-up. I can't do it right. And the whole time we're ignorant that Satan is scheming behind the scenes, working on us, trying to derail things. He's lying to you. You know, are you worried about something? Satan's probably trying to feed you the lie that there is no hope. So I think this realization is big. Once we realize there can be a, a third party involved in relationships As we try to push forward and do God's work, there's someone actively working against us. It's almost kind of freeing to realize, wow, let's let's recognize that for what it is, and then we can engage God's power to get him out of here. So again, think of that lie. Give it some thought. What comes to mind? Where are you uh, being taken captive or or being lied to by Satan? Put that in your mind. If if you're bold, you could write it down even on your, your note sheet there, even just a word or a phrase that will remind you of that. And what I want to do is just take a quick detour to pray that God would give us power over those lies. I don't want us to be under the persuasion of Satan's lies. I want us to be free from that. And so I'm going to say a quick prayer for us, that the lies that all of us have in mind, that we would be able to um, take away their power and move on from those things. So let's pray about that. God, we've thought for a minute here about the lies that Satan is telling us. He is the father of lies, and there is no truth in him. We know that he is prowling around like a lion looking for someone to devour He's tempting us to conform to the world, God, and we don't want to do that. And so I pray in the name of Jesus that you would take away the power of those lies. Expose them for what they are, God. Help us to overcome those things. I pray that we would have minds that are governed by the Spirit, God, not the flesh. Please answer our prayer today in Jesus' name. Amen. So for me, I think that is so powerful. And when you start to recognize that for what it is, you truly can start to control things in a better way and not allow Satan to influence you. So we've talked a lot about this problem of conforming to the world. So what's the solution then? If we don't want to do that, how do we fix it? And we find the answer right here in this scripture. It says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So the answer is that we need to be transformed, and how do we do that? We do that by the renewing of our minds. So first, let's talk a little bit about transformation. 
When we think about transformation, I often think that our minds first go to behaviors. When I say that I want to change, I'm usually talking about some kind of external thing, something that I'm doing, uh, something along those lines. Because the behaviors are very visible, right? In some ways, that's a natural place to start. Those behaviors are the things that we see and that aggravate us. But this verse is stating that that's not the right place to start. It does not say, be transformed by the renewing of your behaviors, does it? It says, be transformed by the renewing of your minds. So our minds is where this all starts. And this is big. If you want to change how you behave, you first have to change the way you think. Let that soak in for a minute. If you want to change the way you behave, you first have to change the way you think. I think we waste a lot of time and energy trying to change just through our behaviors. So we make plans, I've got to start waking up earlier. Uh, I've got to start working out. I need to give more money. But if we do those things and try to change behaviors without first renewing our minds, we are set up to fail. And so when we do fail, what do we think the solution is? I should have just tried harder, right? It's never going to work. And that's where I think that, that idea comes in that many of us feel frustrated in our lives, saying, I should be doing more, I know I can do more, and you've got to continually fail. Maybe you're struggling in a, a persistent sin, or maybe you just feel like you're not living up to that potential. I'm convinced a lot of the reason is that we're trying to start with behaviors. We're telling things, here's what I want to do, and I'll just start doing them, problem solved. But until we renew our minds, we're not going to be successful. We need to not just try harder, we need to try smarter. That's a phrase that's pretty cliche at this point, but I think it's really true for us. You cannot rely just on willpower alone to change your behavior. It is not enough. None of us have enough willpower. But yet when we change our mind, we know. The Bible says our behaviors will follow. We've got to start with our minds. So what does that look like here? Um, Let's contrast how we often begin with behaviors. You know, I think often we try to put limits on ourselves, put up little boundaries to try and stop ourselves from sinning. So as I think a real-life example if I look at, have a habit of looking at things on the internet that I shouldn't, then maybe I think, oh, you know what, here's the solution. I'll just move the computer into the living room. So then it's more visible, problem solved, right? Well, I'm not saying that making that move of the location of your computer is a bad thing to do. But if that's all you're going to do, then you've not renewed your mind. And if you think the location of your computer is going to change your heart, it's not going to work. You know, th- what happens whenever you're home alone? What happens when you've got your smartphone with you wherever you go? Without a renewal of the mind, the sin is still there, right? To act like the computer is the root of the issue would be foolish. Lust has been around a long time before computers were invented, right? So simple little behavioral changes like that are not going to renew our minds. They're not going to eradicate sin. You know, as another example that may apply to some of us, um, we make a lot of commitments to try and eat healthier, right? So we get on these kicks and say, okay, we're going to eat healthy. So we go through the house and we clean out all the candy and the other unhealthy stuff to say, I'm going to remove all temptation, to me, I think that's starting with behavior. So that's not necessarily a bad thing, you know. You've thrown out all the stuff. Your refrigerator's literally just exploding with kale. You're ready to go. You found, like, <laughs> ten new healthy pizza recipes on Pinterest. You're set, right? And then what happens? You show up at the office, and guess what? It's Sandra's birthday. And what do you think Connie did? Connie brought cupcakes to celebrate Sandra's birthday, right? Ooh, Connie. She's trying to derail that diet of yours real quick, right? But wait a second. You had gone through and you had made all these behavioral adjustments at your house. Well, now you're out in the world and it's real life and it's hitting you, right? If you didn't renew your mind, that cupcake is going down for sure. (laughs) So in this diet context, 
or challenge us. We think that we just need to change what we eat, but we've got to actually go a few layers deeper than that because if that's all we do, we will fail. Rather than just changing what we eat, we need to change what we want to eat. And that's perhaps more difficult, but when we make that kind of change, that change is going to be more lasting and more real for us. It's not just that we want to change our destructive behaviors and trade them out for productive ones. We've got to address the underlying problem, and that is the mind. We don't just want to treat the symptoms, right? In, in medicine, we know that that's a problem. Whenever you can, you want to treat the root cause, right? Not just the symptoms. So did you hear about the woman? I think this was a, a news story. It's a real true story. Not too long ago, this woman was going in for cataract surgery. And she was reporting to doctors, yeah, I've had some discomfort in my eye. I've had some dry eyes. They don't feel great. But she figured it was just that she had dry eyes and, and she was getting older. That's what she attributed this discomfort to. So she goes in for cataract surgery, and as they're preparing for the surgery, the doctor's checking her out, and he starts to see something going on. And on further investigation, he ended up discovering 27 contact lenses that had been stuck in this woman's eye. So you talk about treating root causes, right? I can only imagine this woman's going, oh, my eyes are a little dry today. You know, let me do some eye drops. And the whole time, she's got 27 contacts stuck in her eye. No amount of, of visine or clear eyes is going to fix her problem until she addresses the root issue, right? That's the real problem. That's a crazy example, but I think we do this every day in our behaviors versus our mind, right? In this context, our behaviors are the symptoms that come out of our minds. Our minds are the root cause. So let's not fool ourselves to think that we can just change a few behaviors here and there and renew our minds. That's not how it works. You know, you may think, oh, well, my relationship with God is not great right now. It's kind of dry, but I'm really going to start committing to come to church more often. There's nothing wrong with that. Coming to church is, is an excellent thing to do, right? But if you think that that simple behavioral change is going to renew your mind, it's, it's not. You've got to go deeper than that. Starting with the mind rather than behaviors is so important for ourselves and for others. It's so important even for parents especially. I think it's easy as a parent to fall into this trap the stuff that annoys you, the stuff that you want to change is often your child's behavior, right? So that's what we address. We're trying to get them to act and behave differently. But once again, that change will not stick unless you start with the mind. And so what are you doing? Are you just trying to manage behaviors for your kid? Or are you trying to renew your child's mind, address their heart, the root cause of whatever issues you think you're perceiving? So this solution has been presented to us, right? Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And in some ways that sounds... Simple. We know what we should do, but in practice, it's kind of hard. And I don't think we do ourselves a lot of favors with how many of us uh, spend our time. I looked online, the research firm Nielsen, I think they're the people who are responsible for TV ratings, uh, right? They report that American adults spend over 11 hours per day listening to, watching, reading, or generally interacting with media. 11 hours per day. That's a lot of time, Right? It would be foolish to act like that time is not shaping our minds. We are not immune to the effects of what we're exposing our minds to. We talked earlier about Satan's lies. I think another one that he likes to feed us is that we can be unaffected by the media that we consume. Oh, yeah, you know, I can watch those movies or listen to that music. Man, it doesn't really bother me. And it's just not true. I'm, I'm actually a little afraid to, to share some of this stuff because it's convicting, Right? If I'm asking all of you guys to say, hey, evaluate your media choices and see how's that affecting your mind, I've got to evaluate my own choices as well. So let's take inventory of what we're exposing our minds to on a regular basis. What TV shows do you watch? 
What's the message in those TV shows, and how is that shaping your mind? Again, don't think that you're immune to being shaped by that. What do you read? You know, what kind of news and other media are you reading? What do you listen to? Music and other stuff. How does your social media feed influence you, right? At this point, there's a fair amount of data to say we are being affected by this stuff. Are you becoming desensitized to anything that, that you shouldn't? Is this stuff uplifting you or is it hurting? Are you making choices that guard your heart and your mind or the opposite? So here's a little exercise you can do if you're really brave. I considered making this our missional uh, challenge for this week, but I'm just going to keep it as part of the sermon. This is uh, optional. The brave ones of us can attempt it. So choose the app on your phone that you use the most often and just uninstall it, delete it for some period of time, okay? Maybe you could start with at least a day. Let's at least get 24 hours in, okay? What would that look like? So I've done this a few times. Um, there's a few sites I like to look at. Um, Quora, some of you may be familiar with Quora. Quora is one of them. And so I use it to fill time a lot. And so I, I deleted it from my phone, and it was fascinating. It was like turning a mirror on myself to say, how often am I doing this? Because when it pops up, it's unconscious. I'm just looking at it. But when I uninstalled the app, I realized how many times I pull up my phone and I, oh, okay, I don't have that app right now, right? And I, the phone goes back in my pocket. It was fascinating, well, and frankly embarrassing to see how often I'm looking at my phone. And that's like, ooh, that's heart surgery or something, right? So there's a little challenge for you, if you're willing. Try that out. See how it goes. I really want us to engage in these things. I'm afraid that some of us may sit in this room and go, yeah, okay, this is all great, sounds good, I'm doing pretty good, though. Please don't do that. The reality is that all of us need to constantly be renewing our minds. And my fear is that if you don't think you need to renew your mind, then you won't. That's the fact. If you don't think you need to renew your mind, then you just won't do it. And that'll be really, really unfortunate. You'll be leaving huge blessings on the table. So please take this to heart and do something about it. We've got to be so careful about what we're exposing our minds to because those repeated thoughts and the actions that then flow from those thoughts are one of the main ways that we shape our minds. So to show you a little example, I've got a picture So here in this picture, you can see we've got this kind of uh, brick sidewalk over here with this corner. And then there's people that have taken a shortcut around the corner through the grass, right? So that little dirt path, the shortcut that people have carved by walking through there is what designers would call a desire path. So that path wasn't originally there when this brick sidewalk was put in, but it developed as a result of people walking through there and cutting the corner over and over again, right? And what's interesting about desire paths, this happens all over the place. You can see on college campuses that have big lawns, you know, and people are walking between buildings. These desire paths develop, and they call them that because people are indicating, this is the way I want to go, whether there's a a sidewalk there or not. These desire paths are self-reinforcing. So when it started, there was nothing there, and it was actually difficult to get through, right? You can see this big, tall grass. There's no defined way to get through there. But as more and more people cut that corner, that grass starts to wear down, And so now it's starting to be easier to pass through, and there's a more visible path that I can follow. And so it's self-reinforcing. When those things happen, it invites more and more people to use the desire path and make it even more established. I believe our thoughts function a lot the same way. When you engage in a thought regularly, you start wearing down that path. It becomes easier in the future to recall that thought again and allow it to continue shaping you and affecting your mind. In fact, repeated thoughts and the subsequent actions that follow from that, they actually affect the physical and chemical composition of our brains. There are real changes being made on a physical and mental and emotional level whenever we engage in these thoughts over and over and over again. And so as I was preparing the sermon, I originally thought, ooh, like, 
this is a negative thing, right? Like, we've got to watch out because this stuff will shape our minds. And I took a step back and thought, no, that's not necessarily true. This doesn't have to be bad, does it? I'm not here to condemn all of us. Our minds work this way. That's just a fact. That's neither good nor bad. We can use this desire path idea for good or for evil. It's certainly easy that the wrong types of thoughts can take root and we start to dwell on them and and they form these paths in our minds, right? They strengthen those neurological pathways where those thoughts are easy to recall. But when we renew our minds, we're able to use those same functions for good. When we dig into scripture, whenever we focus on positive things, we can use this kind of thing to our advantage. So good or bad, just take inventory. What are the desire paths that you created in your own mind? What are those neural pathways that you're strengthening over and over on a daily basis? Take action about it. We have to do maintenance on our mind. There has to be kind of a a cleanup process and some regular um, assessment that we're doing to ask ourselves, do we like what we see here? Look at what the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 10.5. It says, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ." I love that line. Take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. I like that because it shows us we have power over our minds. We have power over our thoughts. I think often we kind of think, oh, I can't help how I feel. You know, I can't help what I think. This thought just popped into my head. Well, that's not true. It says you can take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. That's an empowering thing. So are you taking every thought captive? Are you just allowing your mind to, to run wild and go wherever it wants? If we don't pay attention, the default setting for our minds, I'm convinced, is one that we're not usually very happy with. The default setting for our minds is to conform to the pattern of this world. So we've got to be intentional with our own minds. Here's another uh, thing to think about. I took a leadership course a while back that introduced the idea of trading up on certain activities. So the idea here is that you sort of do an evaluation of how you spend your time and take note of anything that's counterproductive to your goals, whatever they may be. So the example that they gave in the, the class was to think through what you listen to while you're driving. So she gave the example, maybe there's someone who's into talk radio. So we kind of know what talk radio is known for, right? You get on there, and there's people calling in, they're discussing issues and whatnot. And if you're like many people, you know, that probably starts to aggravate you a little. You get a little fired up, and so you're in the car thinking, oh, people these days, whatever. What kind of frame of mind does that put you in, you know? And you're listening to that on your way to work. What kind of frame of mind are you in now as you pull up in the parking lot to go into your job and you've just been spent you know, 20 minutes of frustration listening to this talk radio, that's an area where you might want to consider trading up. Trade that activity for an activity that's going to be a little more constructive for you. So is there like a, an inspirational podcast you could listen to, or maybe you could listen to worship music? Wouldn't that renew your mind in a better way, put you in a better frame of mind as you go in and come home from your job? I've preached before about you know, the benefit of just small changes that we can make in our lives that start to have big impacts. Um, so this was another example they gave. Maybe every afternoon you have a habit of grabbing a candy bar when you start to get hungry. She asked, you know, how would things change if you said, I'm just going to trade up that candy bar. I'm going to make that an apple. Small change, perhaps, but over time, the benefits of those kinds of things start to accumulate. So, once again, I challenge you, trade up. Take a look at your normal routines and see if there's any room for improvement. The idea here is just become a little bit more intentional with our choices rather than just doing whatever comes naturally. Okay, so as we start to wrap up here, we've talked a lot about renewing our minds and the need to do that. I hope that you have some ideas to leave here with. 
Uh, but I do want to share a few things that we can do to renew our minds, a few specific things. So I'll ha- I have four uh, ideas for us, and we'll get through these. Um, I wish I could spend more time on each of these, but hopefully we're somewhat familiar with them. The first thing that we can do to renew our minds is that we can pray. First off, just ask God. Ask God to renew your mind. Ask him to change your thoughts and your desires. That's a prayer that he's going to respond to. God obviously cares about us going through that process of renewal and transformation, and so pray and ask him, God, please help me in this. The process of just talking to God and laying that stuff out, it does have an effect on us. It does renew our minds. That prayer brings a certain amount of clarity and renewal to to us. If we are not praying frequently, then we are just, again, leaving huge blessings on the table. It's a huge shame if we're not taking hold of that. Next thing we can do to renew our minds is read scripture. The Bible has just a wild ability to change us if we will let it. When we open that up and read those words, there's something truly uh, miraculous that happens to our hearts, to our minds, to our souls. It's kind of sad to me that memory verses are kind of a thing for kids, right? They go to Bible class and, and memorize certain verses and things like that. Why is that just a thing for kids? Isn't that something that all of us could use. Whenever we do those memory verses and allow that scripture to really soak into our minds, that's a desire path that we're creating. The next time we confront a sin in our lives or a difficult time or anxiety or whatever, if you have that scripture to fall back on and you've been rehearsing it in your mind, that's a strong neural pathway there. It's going to make that thought easier to recall and contribute to the the process of us renewing our minds. Scripture can inspire us and it can just protect us. There's power in that that we should definitely tap into. Here's a third suggestion for renewing your mind. It's to start journaling. Not all of us are writers, right? Uh, But you can just start writing. Write down your thoughts. Um, Write down uh, problems that you're facing. Write down thoughts about what you're reading in the Bible. Write down what you're thankful for. Um, I found that journaling can really help in the department of prayer. You know, many of us find it hard to sit down quietly in a dark room for 30 minutes praying But instead, what if you just wrote a letter to God outlining what are you afraid of? What are you worried about right now? What do you need to ask for? Who are you thinking about? Who needs help? Write all that stuff down, and and the process of journaling can really help focus those thoughts. And what's cool is that later you can look back periodically, and then you have written evidence of how God's moving in your life and in the lives of others. You have written evidence of answered prayer and evidence that your mind is renewing. You can see, oh man, a year ago, here's where I was at. This was the stuff that I was thinking about. The fourth uh, suggestion I have is perhaps maybe the, the one we're most uncomfortable with, I would guess, and that's to meditate. American Christianity, is this is not something that we really understand very well. We don't do it a lot, and I think that's unfortunate. So what is meditation? I think it can take a lot of different forms. Maybe you just sit quietly for a few minutes and listen to God. It could be as simple as that. Ask him to speak to you and then just listen. Maybe you'll come out of that with something or maybe not, but either way, your mind will be renewed to some degree. You can even pick a scripture and meditate on that. Think through it. What are all the implications? Why did God choose to include that in the Bible? The other thing you can try is guided meditation. And there's lots of cool resources out there for guided meditation right now. So go into the app store, or even just on YouTube and search Christian meditation, and lots of stuff pops up. And so find one you like, and there's uh, videos that can walk you through, you know, different scriptures or prayers or thought processes to help you in that guided meditation. You know, maybe it's just 
uh, five minutes, or there's longer ones out there as well. But dig into that. See what happens. So as we engage in this stuff, there are a couple things we should remember, and, and we'll wrap up with this. First, understand that only God has the true power to renew your mind. We have no power to do on our own without him. You know, I talked earlier about self-help. What we really need is Holy Spirit help. We need that renewal, and we can't do it on our own. And so by doing those four activities or others, that's not an exhaustive list, we're giving God access to our minds. We are actively submitting, saying, okay, God, I'm opening up my mind. Come on in do what you need to do. We're giving him the time and, and the ability to do that. The other thing that we need to do is to understand that renewing our minds takes time. When you think about a lot of the habits that we're trying to break, these are things that maybe we've been doing for years. So to think that in just an overnight process, we're going to be able to shake that is unrealistic. So that's not to say that there aren't immediate benefits to renewing our minds, but we've got to be patient with ourselves as well. It's taken us years and years to get to these points where we're at now, good or bad. So if we want to make positive changes, we've got to give that some time. Stay disciplined, stay consistent, and you will see benefits. Okay, so I'd like to wrap up by offering missional challenge number six here. I'm convinced as we talk about this idea of mission, we're not going to be able to fully engage in the mission of God until we renew our minds. Many of us know we should be doing more, we should be doing better, fulfilling God's mission for us. That's going to be a frustrating process until we renew our minds. We start to change the very thoughts and desires that are shaping who we are every day. So the challenge this week is to pick one of the four things that I talked about, prayer, reading scripture, journaling, and or meditation. Pick one that you want to grow in, one activity that maybe you're not doing right now, you'd like to do better, and just do it once. That's the challenge. Just get started. It doesn't have to be some two-hour session. Maybe you literally sit down and say, I'm just going to listen to God in meditation for five or ten minutes. That would be great. That would be an awesome way to start. I'd like to close the sermon today with a little word of encouragement from the book of Philippians. It says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. That's a beautiful scripture, and that is a beautiful way to renew our minds. Let's commit to doing that. There's one more way that we can renew our minds that I didn't uh, mention out of many, and that's worship. Um, We've had an opportunity to do that today. As we finish out our service this morning, let's stand and worship God together in the hopes to renew our minds.